The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. If you're putting somebody else first at the cost of your health and your well-being, then you're not going to be in a good place to be able to help them regardless. And that's what I was doing, right? I was putting everybody else first, but in the meantime, I'm depleting all of my energy and making myself literally sick. And so how, how well am I then able to help everybody else around me? You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 194. Today, we're talking about how to recover from mom burnout with Nicole Lovald. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Membership, and I'm the author of the upcoming new book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back, dear listener. Oh my gosh, I feel like I have been talking to so many people lately and I'm so happy to be connecting with you, the Mindful Mama podcast listener, because you are my peeps. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for coming back, for listening, for all your kind words. They're amazing. They fill me up. And if you're new, a special welcome to you. I am so glad you're here and this is going to be such an amazing episode. In just a moment, I'm going to be talking to Nicole Laval. She was a former corporate busyness addict, and she turned into a, a yoga teacher and a life coach, and she advocates for self-care. And we're going to be talking about how to recover from mom burnout. And Nicole was a military spouse, and she was juggling a full-time job, a two-year-old, and this constant stress of dreading the word that her husband might be killed or injured, when things got even worse, like it, it, she started to, the stress of her life started have her hair falling out in clumps. And she turned this all around. And I know this story is going to be so inspiring for you. If you are feeling busy, if you are feeling overwhelmed, this is the episode for you. So I can't wait for you to hear. I want you to listen for about how our bodies really start to shut down if we live in constant stress and how losing patience is a sign that you need to take care of yourself and that it's, you know, noble to be of service to others, but sacrificing yourself, what you're giving won't be as meaningful. And, it, and this is really, really true. 
So before we dive in, I just want to give a shout out to my 200th episode is coming up really soon. Oh my gosh, 200 episodes. And I want you for this episode. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your story of maybe how the podcast sparked something in you, a thought or a week, something simple or something more profound. I really would love to have your voice. I'm hoping to to get some, I would really need some more voicemails. So will you please, please tell me the story of how, of an episode that you liked, a takeaway, something about the message that we're giving here that maybe sparked something in your life. So please, if you're listening before the 200th episode, if you're listening in the future, please disregard. Go to mindfulmamapodcast.com or I'm going to put a link in the, you know, in the show notes. Uh, so if you're listening on your phone, you can kind of click and look at the notes. You'll see a little link and you can leave a message right there and just tell me what takeaways have you had from the Mindful Mama podcast? That would be so amazing. And one more quick message is that Raising Good Humans is available for pre-sale now. Yay! Ooh, confetti. Uh, you can go to raisinggoodhumansbook.com and you can order the book there and get it on pre-sale. And then when you do, go back into raisinggoodhumansbook.com and you can get all these awesome good book bonuses. So right now I'm reading chapter one. So you're going to get the audio access to the first chapter. You're going to get this amazing masterclass that I have put together of experts that has been incredibly popular. So you're going to get access to that. And if you buy three or more copies, you're going to get a shout out right here on the Mindful Mama podcast. So cool. So I want to be able to shout you out and say thank you. So go buy some copies for, you know, new parents, for yourself, for anyone who wants to raise good humans. That's at raisinggoodhumansbook.com. And now on to this episode. Nicole, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thanks for having me, Hunter. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you too. And you're a yoga teacher and you coach people and all of these things. But I'm really curious about going kind of turning the, the timeline back and looking back. And you, you told me that you were a military spouse and you were kind of like you call yourself a corporate junkie. So yeah. tell me about that life. I'm a little curious about the military spouse life because that's you know an experience a lot of listeners have, right? And a lot of people mm -hmm. in the audience have and, and and also that corporate junkie life for sure. So take us back a little to there. Okay, absolutely. My husband served in the military for 25 years. So he he was in the military for a really long time. I didn't know much about the military going into it because I live in Minnesota and we don't have a lot of military bases or installations here. So it was kind of an unknown um, I got married pretty young. I was only 21 years old. I think that's, oh, in yeah. my mind, that's pretty darn young. Yeah, and these days, very young. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so we um, got married and started traveling with the military. So I was kind of thrown into this brand new environment that I didn't know anything about, didn't have any you know, friends or family members. Um, and it's it's an interesting and very different lifestyle than what I was accustomed to. Um, he 
had training missions that he would go on for two weeks at a time, sometimes a month at a time, where we'd have absolutely no um, connection to one another. So there, mm-hmm. um, this was before, you know, a lot of um, the Instagram and Facebook and things like that. And so we didn't have a way to connect via social media. He didn't have a phone. Um, so we weren't able to talk at all. So it was hard because um, he would literally take off you know, for two weeks or a month at a time. And I'd be left um, alone in a brand new place, brand new location where I didn't know very many people. Um, so that's kind of, that's the challenge mm-hmm. or the, the hard part about the military lifestyle. No, um, when you were, when you were there in these different places, bases and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I, actually I, I can relate to sort of, I have a good, a good friend who her husband is a pilot. So he goes off and, and does, you know, but just commercial, you know, commercial and jets and things like that. But that, that must've been, um, that must've been incredibly lonely or were there other people there? Were there other spouses there to connect with and talk with? I mean, did you, was it kind of like you're the, you know, the kid who's moved to a new town and you have to make friends at school? Like, or was it just very, you know, was there a lot of solitude? You know, it was really lonely at first. Um, I, I'll never forget, and my husband will will never forget this because I won't let him. <laughs> um, on the fourth of July, um, this was many years ago, but on the fourth of July, we had we had only been in um, New York. We were living in upstate New York at the time, and we had only been there for a couple weeks. And he was sent off on a mission, or sent off on some kind of training. And I um, sat in our new home by myself, watching all of our friends and neighbors, you know, have their festivities. And so it was incredibly lonely. Um, but then once you were able to um, kind of sink into the lifestyle and get to know um, other military families, then the community support was amazing. But there was always this transition time. There was always this period where it would take, you know, a few weeks, if not a few months to start to get to know one another or to get to know Mm -hmm. the other military families. And so there was a lot of solitude and a lot of loneliness as a part of it. Um, But then there also was this great camaraderie once you, um, once you really kind of sunk in and got to meet people. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Rituals Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. 
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. How, how did you handle the, um, the solitude at the time? What did you, what did you do with that? Because I imagine, you know, you're like this 20-something-year-old woman. <laughs> you're just... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was hard at the time. I, I didn't have um, a yoga practice. I didn't meditate like I do now and have some of the self-care practices that I think in retrospect would have helped me a lot. But I, I would go on, I remember going on long walks and I started taking classes. I took a baking class for fun and a jewelry making class for fun, just different things to try to get myself out into the community. Because I knew that once I, if I forced myself out of my solitude, if I forced myself to, you know, put myself in in, um, social situations that I would meet people and that there were probably a lot of other people like me who were looking for that, who were yearning for it. So it was just a matter of kind of making myself, you know, just get outside, go meet people and, and it'll get better. It'll get easier. Um, but it was hard. It was hard. Um, when, when we'd move to new locations, there's always that transitional period. Yeah. I, I guess you can't really work. I mean, in that situation, like how are you going to work for somewhere, you know, if you're there for six months or something like that? I mean, that's got to be incredibly hard for all military spouses. Like you're, you're going somewhere and you're just going. It is, you know, and I had a lot of really random jobs and I tried to look at it like it was a fun opportunity for me to try different and new things and just kind of explore. So I worked in coffee shops. I worked in malls. My most interesting job, I think, at the time was I led um, whitewater rafting tours for a short period of time. (laughs) That sounds fun. Um, So I tried to look at it like this is an opportunity, even though I had a college degree and I really wanted to work um, in more professional positions and work on my career. If I knew we were only going to be in a location for six months or less, I would just try to find a fun job, something that, you know, helped me get out in the community and meet people and something just to experience. But then sometimes in the military, you will be stationed in locations for a longer period of time. So there were, we ended up traveling quite a bit, but, and only lived in one location for three years. That was our longest term. Mm -hmm. But for some families, they might be somewhere for three years, five years, even 10 years. So some military spouses are able to, um, and I was able to do this when we were in Texas for a longer period of time. You can start to work in positions that are more aligned with what you might be wanting to do professionally. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Huh. So this is this must be cue in 
Q and corporate junkie. What is, <laughs> how did yes. you go? How did you go from wandering military wife doing fun jobs and exploring and taking baking classes to corporate junkie? Yeah, you know, it's interesting if I would have or if anybody would have asked me when I was 20, 21 years old, you know, what are you going to do with your life? I never would have anticipated that I um, would have the positions and the jobs and the career that I have had over the years. But I, I just kind of let my circumstance help to guide me. And so what happens is when we were working or living in upstate New York, we were only there for a year and I knew we were only going to be there for a year, but I really wanted to um, find the job in my profession. And at the time that was working in nonprofits, um, working with at-risk kids. Um, my degree was in sociology and I was working on a master's in counseling. And so I started applying for jobs, um, but everybody knew, all the businesses around, all the corporations and companies around us knew by looking at my resume that I was a military spouse because mm. they could see that the jobs I'd had were in military locations and were for only three months, six months, things like that. And so I couldn't find a job. And so one day I walked into the education center on base and in that education center, I just said, you know, I'm looking for a job. I'm working on my degree. Here's what I'm, I'm doing. And they said, we'll hire you. And <laughs> so I started working in military education. Um, I, I was helping, it was when online colleges were, were just kind of becoming popular. And so I was helping soldiers enter into um, their degree programs while they were deployed. So that was kind of my beginning of working in military education. And then when I uh, moved back home to Minnesota, there's a, an online for-profit college called Capella University. And so it was a natural transition for me to work um, for them with their, in their advising department. And so it might not sound that corporate necessarily because it's ed higher education, um, but it was working in a high rise downtown Minneapolis with all the cubicles and the marketing department and the business departments. And, um, and so that was my, um, my avenue into um, learning about the corporate lifestyle and what it's like to, you know, be around another 300 to 500. I think when I left, there were about 500 other employees um, working towards one mission. And so that was, it, it, you know, it was a kind of a roundabout way, but that's how I started working in the corporate world. I had, um, I had a taste of corporate life when I was in college. I went to, um, I went to University of Delaware and, you know, I'm, I was paying for college. Actually, I'm just finishing off paying for college. But, um, <laughs> and so I wanted to get Delaware residency. So I stayed in Delaware and worked for a year. Okay. And I ended up working in this like corporate environment. I was a temp, but I was like in this, like I was in this cube farm and they kind of realized that, you know, I wasn't incredibly, you know, they, they, they gave me some jobs that were somewhat interesting, but I remember it was sort of this yeah. six months or less than that, let it, where I was in this cube farm. And it was for me personally, it felt like the most like horrible kind of work. <laughs> I mean, I'm a self-employed person for a reason because I just killed my soul to like sort of be without yes. the fresh air and to have to, you know, just do this work that felt sort of mindless all the time. Yes. The my, For me, it, interesting, you know, you're, you know, I, I have a feeling sort of the yoga is coming into it soon, but like the one sort of saving grace for me at that time was 
I would go for a run with like these old guys at the office. Yeah. So it was like me, like, I don't know, it was like 18 or 19 year old, you know, temp going for a run with all these like yeah, year old guys. Outside and get away. I had to, it was like yeah. the only thing that, that helped me handle it. Did, did you, were you, did you feel at home? Did you like the work? Did you like the, I mean, yeah. I don't want you to feel bad if you like the environment that I've told you. No, I didn't no, buy. no, no. <laughs> I actually loved the work um, because after I was there for a while, they realized that um, they needed some support around building a military office. They re- really didn't have any support for their service members who were taking classes. And they had a lot of soldiers over in Afghanistan and Iraq who were taking classes and they just didn't know what to do or how to help them. So I was able to kind of create my own job, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So I built a military office from scratch and um, or from the beginning and was able to um, help people, which is one of the themes kind of throughout my, my life and my career. And that's what motivates me. So I loved the work, but the environment was absolutely, I mean, I can put myself back in that space um, when you're talking and feel it like viscerally in my body, (laughs) what it felt like when I first started, I actually shared a table with another person. I didn't even have a full cubicle to my own. Like I was elbow to elbow with somebody else (laughs) in their computer. And I remember feeling guilty if I had to, if I got up to take a lunch break or guilty if I had to go up and use the bathroom again. And um, just the, the heavy, um, I tend to, to feel a lot of energy around me and feel other people's energy. And so feeling just that heavy weight of, um, of the people that were coming into work all day, it, it just was too much for me. Even though I, I really did truly really love the work, it was the environment that was just so stifling. It's funny. Um, so it's, no, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, you'd think they could like yeah, there there's you'd think like there could be just more attention to environment and making that in you know, an enjoyable place, enjoyable experience. Like I re- I really remember feeling like I don't want to understand Dilbert. <laughs> you know, like cartoon. It's like yes. I, had, I had never understood Dilbert and I was like, "No, no, I don't want to understand no. Dilbert." <laughs> yes. yes. I don't blame you. I remember walking in at first too. I don't, everything was gray. There were no colors. There were no, you know, it's just all gray. A totally. sea of gray cubicles in front gray. of you. Gray. Very depressing. Gray. Yeah. So how does the yoga come in, Nicole? Yeah. So the yoga actually came in when I was working in that cube farm. Um, my husband's deployed to Iraq. He uh, deployed twice while we were married, once to Kosovo. And then the second time um, he deployed to Iraq. And that was the scary one. Um, The first one was a peacekeeping mission. You know, he was still gone for a year, which is really hard. But the second one was frightening, right? I was scared that something was going to happen to him. He wasn't going to come home the same person, you know, all those things that you can imagine a person thinks about and goes through. And, and yet I was in an, in Minnesota in this environment where we didn't have a big community, the community or military community support that I was used to on these other installations. So, um, I was really stressed, but I wasn't talking to anybody about it. I really wasn't letting anybody see it. I was trying to be, and I kind of had to be, I had, um, our, our son at the time was two years old. And so I had to be strong for him. Um, I had to be strong for my husband's family or I felt like I had to be strong for them. Right. Mm. And so the yoga comes in because 
um, I found, I started going to the gym. That was my self-care at the time. And so I started taking my lunch breaks and going, there was a gym downstairs and on a, just a Friday afternoon, one day I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this yoga thing that everybody's talking about. And so I, um, got into this yoga class. I had done maybe some classes online or, um, you know, some videos, things like that, but I'd never been physically in a yoga class before. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when I, and I talk about this in my book a little bit, when I enrolled my um, yoga mat, you know, I was a little bit nervous and looking around and everybody's talking about work stuff. But at the end of the class, when we got into Shavasana, I felt like for the first time, I I wasn't worrying. My mind just kind of shut off and I wasn't, you know, thinking about my son and how all the things we had to do at night when I got home. I wasn't thinking about my husband in Iraq. And I just had that that moment of bliss, that moment that, you know, most of the people listening are probably yogis, so they know what we're talking about. But it's it's that just that, okay, everything's all right, that moment of peace where I didn't have to think, I didn't have to worry. Um, and it was beautiful. So that was my, my first experience. This episode is sponsored by Candlewick Press, publisher of You Are Light, the latest title from children's book author and illustrator Aaron Becker. You open this book to find a graphic yellow sun surrounded by a halo of bright die cut transparent circles and then you hold the pages up to the light and enjoy the transformation as the colors in those circles glow. Aaron Becker follows as light reflects off the earth to warm our faces, draws up the sea to make rain, feeds all things that grow, and helps to create all the brilliant wonders of the world including ourselves. You Are Light is about finding the light within each and every one of us. For kids, it gently introduces the concepts of colors, mindfulness, the environment, ecology, and the interconnectedness of our own lives with nature. For adults, You Are Light makes a perfect holiday gift that serves as a luminous remedy for any seasonal winter blues. You Are Light by Aaron Becker, available everywhere books are sold, and I highly, highly recommend it. It is a gorgeous book that I cannot wait to put in little hands this season. That's an incredible amount to be holding. To have a two-year-old in general... All parents yes. of two-year-olds, like it's just crazy making in general to just have a two-year-old. You know, forget having single parenting and single parenting with the fear that your partner could be blown up in any moment. That yeah. and then your your whole job as well. That's an yeah. enormous amount to be holding. I can't imagine your body must have had such a sense of relief to kind of move through those yep. things that your your body was holding right your body's holding all of this and to to move all of that through your body i i can imagine yeah. that was an incredible bliss to just release for a moment yeah and you know our bodies give us messages right <laughs> and my body was telling me that i was under too much stress and that i was holding too much in by uh, my hair falling out wow. so i didn't mention that but my i was losing weight you know, as we do when we're under an immense amount of stress. 
And I can't lose weight when I'm trying ever, right? So for me to be <laughs> losing weight like that, my hair started falling out in clumps. So my body was wow. telling me, you're holding, you're definitely holding too much. And I, and I like to tell people that, yeah, I had the terrible twos all to myself. And then on top of it, I'm trying to send care packages to my husband and he was a leader in the military. So I'm sending care packages to, you know, all the people that work for him and to his unit because that's what we do when we care. And, and so, yeah, it was taking so much on and feeling like I needed to, you know, like save the world and then save my family and save myself all at the same time. And so oh my, my body. <laughs> that's classic mommy martyr. You're like everything yes. and everyone and I can do, you know, all the things. I can do all the things. And your oh, body's saying, no, no, you can't, Nicole, do all the things. Yep. Look, your hair is falling out now. Yep. Yeah. Let's take a break, Nicole. You can't do that. So then um, I started doing yoga weekly and, and got to the point where um, my friends would notice if I hadn't got my yoga class in because they could tell I was so much more irritable. And so yoga started to you know have those effects on me, um, the calming effects that, that we know about. And so I just um, fell in love with it and started to feel better after going through the classes. Um, I started to take better care of myself. I started to not be so much of a martyr. Um, and then I dove right into when he came home a couple years later, it was a, a few years later, I dove into a teacher training program and it wasn't because I wanted to become a, to a yoga teacher. And the irony there is now I own a yoga studio, um, but I, I didn't necessarily want to be a teacher, but I wanted just to learn more about why does this make me feel so good? Why does this make me feel so much better? Um, I wanted to dive into the philosophy and learn more about the background of yoga. So I just fell in love with the practice. I want to hear a little more about the effects. So you went from, because you went from, you were losing weight, your hair was falling out in clumps and yeah. you're, you're doing, you know, for everyone to, you know, to having some calming effects, but describe that a little bit more, describe the, the change a little bit more. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So when my, um, my hair was falling out and, you know, I was, I, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't have that wisdom. I didn't have the education yet to know why that was happening. So I first, or I immediately went to, you know, WebMD and Mayo Clinic and all the online resources I could to find out if I was dying. Um, which I realized I wasn't, but, um, you know, immediately my brain went to, do I have um, cancer? You know, what is, what's wrong with me? Something is, is really wrong. So I scheduled doctor's appointments and then I had to include my family. And of course, I'm still just taking this weight and this pressure all on myself. But I, I started going to clinics and doctor's appointments and, and asking them what's wrong with me. You know, we did all these blood tests and all these different things and everything kept coming back. Like, no, no, you're fine. Everything's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And so after doing a lot more of my own research and starting to read about the nervous system and read about the impacts of stress, I started to connect the dots and figure out that really what was happening is my body was in fight, flight, or freeze all the time. Yeah. And, and that's that state where our bodies are in the sympathetic nervous system, right? Where, where our bodies are constantly fighting and, um, thinking that we're needing to protect ourselves from injury. But for me, it was protecting myself from 
the worry that something bad was always going to happen. I mean, I was literally waiting for um, the men in uniform to show up knocking on my front door. Oh. You know, if the phone rang, I immediately was worried that it was going to be someone saying my husband had died. And I think that's the the stress that military spouses don't talk about. It's that constantly being, you're just waiting, um, waiting for that phone call, waiting for that doorbell. And that puts so much pressure on you. So I, I just learned more about, you know, what stress does to our bodies. And so then I started to um, realize that the reason yoga is helping me is because it's getting me into my parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's because it's getting me back to my natural state where I should be all the time, but obviously I'm not. That's the place where our body's immune system can function, right? Like because the sympathetic nervous system literally like shuts down all immune system function because there's an immediate threat that your your body has to take care of right this is this is the this is what the nervous system is responding to and our systems are designed so that yes so then our muscles tighten our heartbeat raises um we don't give energy in the system to the immune system to long term health and things like that it goes to immediate like muscle tensing so you can react to whatever threat is there so if you're constantly in that your immune system is really getting no energy anything and so yeah to put yourself back into the parasympathetic nervous system is to then to put yourself, put, you know, put your body back to give, you know, energy to back to your immune system to, you know, lower the blood pressure, loosen all the, a little of the tension and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would crash every day at the end of the day and not, you know, I wouldn't understand why am I so tired all the time? Well, it's because my body's been working so darn hard all day long. And so I had to kind of relearn. I had to relearn how to bring my body back into that natural state. And it didn't happen overnight. I mean, this was years certainly of work that it took to be able to, now I can understand or I can um, feel the, the stress symptoms as they're coming on. And I can, I know when mama needs to go take a little break and meditate for a few minutes so that she doesn't explode on her kids or whatever it might be. Right. Mm -hmm. But now I can recognize those signs in myself, but it did take a long time to really figure that out and to retrain my body to get back to that natural state. Yeah. Cause your body was just reacting, 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 never taking this step back to say, you know, to even be aware of, what you're feeling or, or thinking or sensing, all of that stuff, like that, that's just not there. It's just, you know, yeah. constant, you know, react, react, react. Yeah. And, you uh, know, it's interesting. I think when we see people stressed out like that, or we know people are under an immense amount of pressure, you know, I would have people say, Hey, I'll, I'll take your um, son for a day. Why don't you go get yourself a massage or why don't you go do this or that? And that's helpful, right? Like that's, it's nice to have that time. And it was really, it, helped me feel like I had network of, um, or people that want to support me, but it really like, that's not the cure all just one day of, you know, or a couple hours of getting a massage or doing this or that is not going to, and it wasn't for me just bringing you back into that place where you can heal your body and build your immune system. It really was a longer process of learning, um, how to do those, you know, learning more about my body, learning more about the symptoms and then just really, I keep saying retraining it, but it was this, you know, coming back over and over and over again until I finally 
felt like my body was more in that state of balance where now when I have stress and I have things going on, challenges going on in my life, whether it's little things like the kids freaking out at Target because they want another Beanie Boo or whatever it might be, <laughs> or major you know, health scares or life you know, crises, I feel like I, I can handle it so much better because now I'm not just reactive like I was when I was constantly in that sympathetic nervous, nervous system place. Mm. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Yeah, I think there's there's so much here to to learn from and it really the you know that you keep saying Nicole, you know, it wasn't a short process. It took time. It wasn't just a one-off thing that helped. It was something that was systemic. It was something that I had to incorporate into my life. It was something that I had to practice. You know, I had to because those old habits that you had of just simply reacting and going and, you know, pushing through and just, and ignoring all your body and the wisdom it has for you. Mm -hmm. Those are really strong habits. Um, Is that curious about like your upbringing and your family? Were they, um, were they of a similar, like, you know, just push, push on through kind of attitude? Of course. Yes. Yes. And the, the martyr, my mom was definitely a martyr, you know, taking everything on and trying to fix everything and take on other people's um, stress and worry and things like that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're a military spouse, it's something I learned too at a very young age is 
I didn't want to worry um, my husband's family. So I wouldn't say a whole lot, right? So I would just hold that in. I didn't want my family to worry about me. So I wouldn't say a whole lot. So it's taken um, a lot of time for me to realize that if they take that stress and pressure and whatever worry on themselves, they're making a choice and that's, you know, them choosing to, but it's, it's okay for me to share it's, and it's therapeutic and it's um, healthy for me to share when I'm going through challenging things and, you know, vice versa. If somebody is sharing with me, I get to choose whether or not I, I fully take that on as my own or if I'm just there being supportive and being helpful. So what are, now I'm just kind of to play devil's advocate for the listener who's saying, but it's good to be self-sacrificing. Like it's good to, it's noble. It's, it, it, you know, it's to be putting others first is sort of a a noble act to do. What, what, um, what would you say to the person who's maybe having that kind of objection as they're listening? Sure. If you're putting somebody else first at the cost of your health and your well-being, then you're not going to be in a good place to be able to help them regardless. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was doing, right? I was putting everybody else first, but in the in the meantime, I'm depleting all of my energy and making myself literally sick. And so how how well am I then able to help everybody else around me? So saying you know, you have to take the oxygen first before you Mm -hmm. give it to somebody else that we hear on the airplane every time we travel, every time we fly. But that's really true. You know, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not going to be in a place where we can have the energy to play with our kids, where we're going to be mentally um, in a good place to be able to handle their tantrums and their um, bedtime needs and, you know, all those things. And so I do think that it is noble and it is um, wonderful to be in a place of service to others. And I've built my career around doing that because it's so meaningful to me. But I've learned that when I sacrifice myself, whether it's in my work, you know, counseling and coaching and doing things like that, um, or yoga teaching too, um, or my family life or with my relationships with my friends, no matter what, if I'm, um, depleting all of my energy and I'm not taking that time to take care of myself. I I can try to be helpful and I can try to give, 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 but it's not going to be as um, meaningful to either parties if I'm not coming from a healthy, um, well-balanced place, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Do you see in a difference um, in the way you were as a parent to your to your son and and then later your daughter, um, sort of in the before and after picture? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have so much more patience um, with them, and that doesn't mean. I mean, I I certainly have the days and the moments where I lose my patience, but to me, that's always a trigger. That's a sign, or um, that's a symptom. That's a sign that hey you're not necessarily in a good place, what can you do to help to get back to that place so that you do have patience and you do have energy? But I found that I wasn't, you know, yelling at my kids as much um, or hardly at all, Um, you know, as they're having tantrums and their meltdowns and things like that, that kids do. I, I can almost separate myself from the situation now and just see it for what it is without having all of that emotional attachment. And so it's, um, it's so 
it's such a beautiful place to be able to um, be in to kind of just witness the experience and not be so emotionally drawn in that you get reactive um, to the situation. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm a completely different mom after finding these practices. Um, I'm definitely a better wife <laughs> after finding these practices and, and probably a better friend and neighbor and everything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we experience every relationship, everything we do in our life through our minds, through our bodies, you know, if we are, are not taking care of our, our body mind, then, then when our body and mind is healthy, then, and peaceful, then we can, we, we, it needs less attention, right? Ironically, right? <laughs> it's like, as you give it more attention, like you need the, you know, you, then it's, you don't have all these crises happening. happening. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, um, so what do you recommend for the people who, for the listener who wants to, who wants to, um, who's maybe, you know, wants to bring yoga more into their life and wants to have a regular practice, but is having trouble because, you know, you might have right. small children, you might have a full job, things like that. How did, how did you make that? Um, how did you make that happen for you? Yeah. You know, the best thing for me was when I went through my teacher training program, um, it was called living your yoga. And so the premise or the, the kind of me, the mission of our teachers was to help us to understand that yoga is a living, breathing thing. It's not just an hour class that you go to where you maybe flow through vinyasas and things. It's really um, a practice that you can use throughout your life. And so it's not just the physical aspect. And so for me, understanding that it's not just the physicality of the practice. It's really where can you be more mindful? Where can you use your breath throughout your day when you recognize that you're getting kind of worked up? Um, for me, sometimes my practice was literally coming home and um, just getting down on my mat in a child's pose while my kids climbed and played on me. But that was my practice. I was you know, being playful with them, but I was also taking some time just to tune into my body. And still to this day, sometimes I get on my mat and my, um, I might have, have an idea that I'm going to do a, you know, a half an hour physical practice and my kids come and they want to play. And um, it might, I realize it might serve me to just be playful and, and be with them and have some fun versus you know, having this set practice. And so I think the best thing for me was really understanding that that it, yoga is so fluid and you can use it throughout your days in whatever way makes the most sense. A yoga practice can be getting up away from your desk and you know going outside and walking for ten minutes. That could be your meditation or your yoga practice. And so that's how I try to look at it. And that's when I'm working with busy moms, um, parents, you know, people who have, we have so many things going on, so many pressures these days, um, just setting your phone off in, in a different room for an hour could be your, your yoga practice. Um, but I, I just went on a tangent. So what I was trying to say is that, you know, really any way that you can find ways to nurture your mind, body, and spirit is yoga. Yeah. And so it's just figuring out what works for you. So like Hunter, what does, what does your yoga practice look for you on a daily basis? Well, I get up and I, I, uh, put my feet on the ground and I say, thank you in my mind yeah. to, the, to the universe. And then, 
my yoga practice is very simple these days. I mean, I do go to a class once in a while and I do do a bigger practice once in a while, but on a daily basis, it's very simple. I, I do child's pose on the ground. Um, I don't have, um, I don't pull out a mat for this. I just do child's pose on the ground and I do cat and cow to wake up my spine. I do a twist. Mm -hmm. I do, you know, kind of like sometimes what I like to refer to as rolling around on the ground yoga, <laughs> <laughs> which is like can be really great. You know, you're on your back and pulling your yeah. knees in and just doing those twists and a little bridge maybe, but just basically bringing, you know, waking up the body in the different ranges of motion. And it may take five or 10 minutes, like yeah. very short. And I do that before I do my sitting meditation. But that's what my, that's what my consistent daily practice really looks like right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And my practice is similar to that where I get on my, um, I actually do roll out a mat, but I get on my mat every day and, and do the physical practice. But I think the, the part that um, I like to talk about because I think a lot of people aren't aware of it is that the yoga can, we can bring the yoga practice into, you know, almost each and every moment of our day. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look like that physical practice. So if you don't get on your mat, you know, on a daily basis, don't beat yourself up. Instead, figure out, okay, what is it that I need today? Maybe today you do need that physical practice, but maybe you just need to breathe more deeply. Yeah. How can you stop the doing and just be <laughs> for a moment? Like whatever exactly. that being is, right? And sometimes, and I can sometimes I think of like the physical asanas as a way of like us doers to kind of move into being because mm -hmm. it's this um, mindful movement, right? So it's just a way of being really being present with movement in some ways. And then as we become more comfortable with that, then we can be in some ways more present with, you know, for me anyway, that was the path it took is that it went from movement from running to into yoga and then into just sitting still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's a, yeah. So take that pathway, you know, whatever your body is needing right now, if it's needing more movement, if it's needing walking, if it's needing running or uh, a physical practice, but it, the idea is to just really practice to stop to bring the mind into presence with the body, to be attentive to what is the body feeling, to notice what the sensations feel like, to be able to sit with the discomfort, to be able to sit with the the beautiful things and what allows us to really feel that that bliss at the Shavasana that you described really beautifully is that you are, you know, the present with all the rest all the way through up until that point, right? And so your yeah. mind had been practicing being present. So then when you were there in the Shavasana and it felt so good, you weren't just thinking about what to, you know, what to make for dinner later. You were actually exactly. noticing how the intensity of good sensation and what that felt like. Exactly. And I do have um, some resources and some guided meditations and practices in my book, um, Om Sweet Om, A Corporate Junkie's Search for Enlightenment. So if anyone's listening and they're looking for some um, ideas on, okay, how do I breathe? I don't know how to breathe in the um, right way or in the way that's going to calm my body. I don't know how to move my body in a way that might feel good. Um, so certainly I want, I want to mention that to your listeners so that they know that that's a resource as well. Absolutely. It's been beautiful to talk to you, Nicole. Where can people find out more about, um, more about you and your book? 
Yeah, absolutely. You can um, find out about me and the um, courses that I offer in my book on my website. It's Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, Lovald, L-O-V as in Victor, A-L-D as in dog, NicoleLovald.com. And then um, my book is available as well on Amazon and also on BarnesandNoble.com. That's cool. And we will, of course, put a link up at the uh, Mindful Mama podcast page for this episode. Nicole, um, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story. I know that so many will relate to this. This is the story of our lives, right? That we just, there's so much doing and so much giving in so many ways. Um, and then to to realize that you had to, you really had to give to yourself and then you're able to give in such a bigger way. It's really beautiful. I, anyway, I just, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing it. Thank you, Hunter. And it's been so much fun getting to know you a little bit better and getting to know your audience too. So I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't Nicole's story so inspiring? Ah, yes, yes. This is a message we need sometimes again and again, and that's okay. We just take those small steps forward. Absolutely. So listen, before you go, if this episode inspired you, please go to mindfulmamapodcast.com. There's a link right where you listen to the podcast on your phone and leave me a voicemail about what you're taking away. And in general, if the podcast has inspired you, it would be so great. I want your feedback for the 200th episode. Please, please, please. It would do me a solid, please. And of course, remember that Raising Good Humans is available for presale. So go to RaisingGoodHumansBook.com. You can find, uh, you can order it there from IndieBound or Barnes & Noble or Amazon. And then you can get these awesome book bonuses, uh, including if you buy three or more copies, a shout out here on the podcast. So I would love to give you a shout out. Please do that. So two big ass today. It'll give me your feedback. 200th episode is coming up right at mindfulmamapodcast.com and then go ahead over to the raisinggoodhumansbook.com and get, get, get the book. Yes, 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 yes. If this podcast has offered you value at all over the last number of listens, um, I know this book is going to offer you more, and it's also a great way to support the podcast. So, so pre-order the book now. I'm wishing you a beautiful week. I hope you wish you peace and joy and all of those wonderful things. Um, and I will see you next week right here. Namaste. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. 
all of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.